Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck. To hear the good news through grunts and with grunts, in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Good morning. My name is Lindsay Joyce and I'm a pastor in Chicago. Our first reading for today is Psalm 143. Listen to my prayer, Lord. Because of your faithfulness, hear my requests for mercy. Because of your righteousness, answer me. Please don't bring your servant to judgment, because no living thing is righteous before you. The enemy is chasing me, crushing my life in the dirt, forcing me to live in the dark like those who've been dead forever. My spirit is weak inside me. Inside, my mind is numb. I remember the days long past. I meditate on all your deeds. I contemplate your handiwork. I stretch out my hands to you. My whole being is like dry dirt, thirsting for you. Answer me, Lord, and quickly, My breath is fading. Don't hide your face from me, or I'll be like those going down to the pit. Tell me all about your faithful love come morning time, because I trust you. Show me the way I should go, because I offer my life up to you. Deliver me from my enemies, Lord. I seek protection from you. Teach me to do what pleases you, because you are my God. Guide me by your good spirit into good land. Make me live again, Lord, for your name's sake. Bring me out of distress because of your righteousness. Wipe out my enemies because of your faithful love. Destroy everyone who attacks me because I am your servant. This is 1 Kings 17, 17 through 24. After these things, the son of the widow, who was the matriarch of the household, became ill. His sickness got steadily worse until he wasn't breathing anymore. She said to Elijah, what's gone wrong between us, man of God? Have you come to me to call attention to my sin and kill my son? Elijah replied, Give your son to me. He took her son from her and carried him to the upper room where he was staying. Elijah laid him on his bed. Elijah cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, why is, why is it that you have brought such evil upon the widow that I am staying with by killing her son? Then he stretched himself over the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, please give this boy's life back to him. The Lord listened to Elijah's voice and gave the boy his life back, and he lived. Elijah brought the boy down from the upper room of the house and gave him to his mother. Elijah said, Look, your son is alive. 
Now I know that you really are a man of God, the woman said to Elijah, and that the Lord's word is truly in your mouth. The last reading is Acts 27 through 12. On the first day of the week, as we gathered together for a meal, Paul was holding a discussion with them. Since he was leaving the next day, he continued talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we had gathered. A young man named Eutychus was sitting by the window. He was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell from the third floor and died. Paul went down, fell on him, and embraced him, then said, Don't be alarmed, he's alive. Then Paul went back upstairs and ate. He talked for a long time, right up until daybreak. Then he left. They took the young man away alive, and they were greatly comforted. Thus ends the readings. Good morning and welcome to the fifth Monday of Lent. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from the Appalachian Abbey in Knoxville, Maryland. Our co-host this morning is Reverend Lindsay Long, uh, Joyce, and uh, she read from Psalm 143, 1 Kings 17, and Acts 20. Um, And as we were reading it, it made me think of another recording I've been doing, uh, or trying to do, I've I've not done it very consistently, but um, during the pandemic, um, a number of friends on Facebook and Twitter are beginning to show us the potential for social media to connect people and like kind of correcting course from what we've seen it do the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years. And what they would do is they would read on Facebook Live or I don't know if Twitter still does Periscope or Twitter Live. Um, but so I started reading the, the Life of St. Martin, the biography written in the uh, late 4th century and translated in 1894, um, by, uh, uh, written by Sulpicius Severus and translated by Alexander Roberts. And reading, uh, reading it, uh, the, the life of Martin is, is noteworthy because it was one of the first biographies that was written um, uh, hagiographically, I suppose. Um, biography had been a thing for some time. Um, the church didn't really pick it up as a liturgical or, you know, kind of worshipful practice until Jerome wrote the biography of St. Anthony of the Desert. And that biography proved incredibly popular. And in short order, um, I think Jerome wrote another one. Um, And then I think Martin's Life by Severus was like the third, you know, major biography written that gained really wide uh, esteem. And in it, um, they're not doing history in these early um, lives or vidas. They're doing something like, um, they're doing something like the gospel with new characters, um, with Jerome and Severus. Um, they 
do things that are clearly like, you know, gospel-like that us modern readers look at and think, uh, that didn't really happen. Like, this is, this is embellishment, right? Um, and one of those things is raising people from the dead. I don't, I haven't read Jerome's, um, Life of Antony, um, but as I read, uh, The Life of St. Martin, one of those that I, one of the episodes I've come across was when he raises a catechumen from the dead. And when he does so, what he does is he lays them on a bed and he lies on top of them, prostrate, and he cries out and I don't know what the Latin is. I'm very interested to look it up now. But um, the <laughs> apparently what he does is produce, and this is from the Roberts translation, many ejaculations. And so it sounds <laughs> vaguely sexual. Well, not vaguely. It sounds very sexual. And I'm not sure maybe ejaculations is like yelling and shouting or something. And this is one instance of Severus and other early hagiographers, and a lot of hagiographers, the practice continued, of recreating elements of the Gospels in these lives they were writing to, to draw direct comparisons between the saints and um, what Christ did, including raising people from the dead, healing sick people. Um, raising people from the dead seems like the most outstanding um, and these writers had people doing it. And um, in the, our modern minds, we, we think of, you know, historicity and like, did it really happen? We think of history very differently. Um, but ancient cultures typically wrote history as a bit of retelling what happened and a bit of refashioning the story to provide its meaning and to make it like abundantly clear. Um, and in Martin's life, and I'm, I'm confident in Jerome's life of Antony as well. It says repeatedly throughout the life so that he could be an example. And this is what they're doing with Christ and with the Bible. They are taking those as examples and reapplying them in their own stories. And in many ways, maybe some of these things actually happen, like feeding the poor and clothing the naked. Christ did that, and we are called to as well. And um, so it's it's it feels far fetched, and yet this is this is our literary tradition. This is uh, you know kind of comp, you know the supplement to the Gospels, I suppose you could say. And uh, we can see that they're pulling it um, you know very closely from First um, Kings seventeen, where Elijah lays on the boy three times and, you know, shouts out to God. Um, and then again from Paul, uh, or I'm sorry, Acts, when it describes Paul, literally put someone to sleep talking so long so that they fell out a third story <laughs> window and died, apparently. Um, which is, it's actually not totally clear. Um, it says they died. He was picked up dead, but then Paul went down and said, ah, he's not dead. And then everybody was comforted. So whether or not Paul performed a miraculous resuscitation or not is kind of in question. Um, but these are things that um, the the writers saw in our own tradition, either in First Kings 17 with Elijah um, or uh, in Acts 20 with Paul. 
And you will notice, I thought it was really interesting that the Gospels actually show Jesus doing it very differently. I don't know that he ever lays down on someone. Um, With Lazarus, which I think was the reading for last week, was it? Gosh, I can't remember. Um, He just, he says, come on out, and they do it. Um, And so there's a certain power that um, appears to be reserved for Christ. You know, no, no saints live that I can think of offhand, do they not only resuscitate the dead, but also do it merely by telling the dead person to wake up. Um, and so Jesus has a certain kind of reserved power in that sense. Um, but it's well within our, our history and our tradition to, to take these examples and model our own lives after them. And maybe we won't revive the dead. Um, I'm sure we can find plenty of stories in the medical field where that is happening and has happened um, miraculously and, and not so miraculously. You know, we have technology that helps us do that as well, but there's also certainly room for miracles. Um, and to attribute those to God or God's action, um, are it, that's kind of what we do as a community through time. Um, and I think that's uh, something that we can take comfort in and not a little comfort either, that um, even though we seem to be living in this time of death, um, that we can have hope that life, new life might come out of it. Um, this morning, I read that um, the many of the president's advisors, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Bricks, I think, um, they, they believe that keeping the death toll under 200,000 in, in America would be a success. Um, that we're going to be um, um, doing the physical distancing through April probably, so in another month. We've been through two weeks, and now we've got another four to go. We're almost halfway if, if the federal guidelines are followed by states. Um, and that just seems that just seems so, you know, depressing and tragic and sad Um, and we know that people are are going to continue to die from the COVID-19 disease Um, and uh, but we we take hope in this morning's readings that sometimes um, we uh, we might pick them pick up uh, what was kind of left scattered of our lives and see that there is still life yet in us and in, in our community. Um, and that, um, God, I don't know why I think about the ejaculations with the whole Martin's life. Um, I was trying to think if there's a metaphor for laying down on the dead body, but I hope there isn't because uh, God only knows when, how long the, the virus actually lives inside somebody who's expired. Um, but the... Um, even uh, apart from the pandemic, we are people that believe that death is not the end. Um, and it's, it's uh, good and, and right to mourn uh, those we lose. And it scares the shit out of me to think that um, we have family who are high risk. That um, you know, there's so little that you can do if you find out. Um, but uh, we also have hope that... Um, no matter what evil uh, might be awaiting us, our own family or maybe yours, um, 
that, uh, that we might find comfort um, in our, our community and in God um, and to look to the future um, no matter how painful the present and the past might soon become. Prayer for Recovery from Sickness from the Book of Common Prayer O God, the strength of the weak and the comfort of sufferers, mercifully accept our prayers and grant to your servants the help of your power, that sickness may be turned into health and our sorrow into joy. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling in to First Formation, where PPUHQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation slash support. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month and you can cancel at any time if I piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a weekday lectionary reading yourself and sending it to me to be included in an episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts will be provided to you directly, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in first formation in this or any way. Finally, and most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a recording app of your choice. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously, if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in morning prayers for pew-pew people. I hope you'll continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia. <laughs>